have a child uh, under the age of three, naught to three. We have uh, an unmanned crèche area as well, and uh, we'd love you to come to that. I am so grateful that Pastor Ian is here today. I, I've not been such. I've not been too well this week, and uh, talking to Pastor Ian, he just said, "Steve, why don't you let me come and open the Word of God?" And I said, "Oh, that that'd be brilliant." Uh, so I believe Pastor Ian has got a now word for us. Amen. And uh, come on, let's welcome him as he comes to the estate. You should never mix me with technology. It just doesn't go together. It doesn't work. I, I often turn things off instead of turning things on, and then I turn things on when they should be turned off. So forgive me th this morning. Worship team, thank you so much for leading us this morning. Help the aged down. You're welcome. Come on, sir. Come on, come on, John. We're waiting for you, John. Brilliant. It is so good to be here this morning. I have been looking forward to come back. It's been a long time since uh, I had the opportunity of, of ministering here. And uh, as I was traveling down from, from Torbay this morning, I just uh, had some of what I call flashbacks of, of my journeys. Uh, Jackie and I, as we journeyed down here for a number of months during the course of, of last year. A lot's happened in our life since we, we last met. Uh, last week, Jackie got her full status as a full minister of Assemblies of God. So she's now a rev. And uh, instead of it being a vicar and his tart, it's now two revs, two vicars. Uh, <laughs> you didn't think you could say that in church, did you? But uh, we're now two revs in our house, so we're a double rev. And uh, when she comes and ministers here on June the 4th, you're going to have a great time together. Uh, a few weeks ago, our youngest daughter came to us with a little glint in her eye. And her husband had a, a, a grin from ear to ear. And uh, he, they said to us, you're going to be grandparents again. <laughs> Which is brilliant. So that will be number four. Five grandchild, that little grandchild is due to be born on Friday the 13th of October. Uh, two days ago, our eldest daughter came to us with a glint in her eye and uh, came up to us and she says, you won't believe this, but you're going to be grandparents again. <laughs> so five weeks later, October the 13th and November the 17th, we will have our sixth grandchild uh, uh, arriving. We, we're not quite sure what's causing it, <laughs> but we, we're just counting our, our blessings and saying thank you so much for what God is doing in, in our, our family. During the course of this morning, we have sung about the faithfulness of God. And this morning, I'd like to build on that theme, if you permit me to, because I'm going to talk about God's providence. Nudge the person next to you. And say, this message is for you. 
Now, I trust that everybody in this room this morning has been nudged and uh, just encouraged to understand that this message is for, for you. From Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50, we see this amazing story of Joseph. I, I love Joseph. Joseph would possibly be one of my favorite Bible characters in the Old Testament as well as the, the New Testament. And I, I love the, the outlining of his life and his journey. We see in Genesis chapter 37, a 17-year-old dreamer. Can anybody remember being 17? Wendy, good on you. 17 and a dreamer. But then what we, we see during the course of those chapters, we see this, this journey of ups and downs, highs and lows, ebbs and flows. We, we see that this journey of um, challenge. We see a journey which was often filled with fear, but coated in faith. And then at the age of 30, we see that the, the dream that the young dreamer had was fulfilled, and we see how he becomes the, the prominent person in the nation of, of Egypt. And then at 110, 110, in Genesis chapter 50, we see that his life draws to a close, but we see the fulfillment of every dream, prophetic word spoken into his life. And we see Joseph experiencing three generations of his descendants. His faith journey is so relatable, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I can often look at the life journey of, of Joseph and relate it to my own personal experiences, filled with family drama. Does anybody have family drama? Yet saturated in emotion. And if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 50, we're going to read one verse, then we're going to springboard into the message this morning. So Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to read verse 20. When you've got it, just wave at me. Thank you, Anita. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, John. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Diane. Okay. This is at the, coming towards the end of his life. Or the end of the, in a sense, the fulfillment of the prophecy and the promises and the dream. And he stands before his brothers and he says this in verse 20. As far as I'm concerned, God turned it into good. What you meant for evil, he has turned to good. And he has brought me to this high position for today. Okay? I'm going to put my, my Bible there, and we'll, we'll come back to it in a, in a few moments' time. But what I, what I see in, in the, that verse that we read together, we, we see, in a sense, the, the, this wonderful conclusion of, of a dream and the fulfillment of a dream. And we see the providence of God throughout the life of, of Joseph. Providence is an interesting word. It's a word that we don't necessarily used today very much, yet it's a biblical word. And the word providence simply means this, 
providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds with his hand. Heaven and earth and all creatures. And so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. I declare this over you this morning in this house, that God's in control. And everything that we have, everything that we need, comes from his hand. Let me put what I've just read, a little bit complicated maybe, what I've just read, but let me put it into West Country terminology and West Country lingo, if you permit me to. God will sustain you. God will direct you. God has plans for you. God ordains your day. He superintends all the work that you're involved in according to his counsel and his will for our lives. God's in control. And the providence of God is the theme music that is playing throughout Scripture. The providence of God is the theme music that you and I dance to, walk to, and live according to. Don Piper, a well-known, famous Bible scholar, uses the word providence quite a lot in his teaching and has written a book about the providence of God. He begins to look at that word and begins to look at a word called providio. And that word providio simply means this, to foresee. I'm so grateful this morning we serve a God who foresees. We, we serve a God who has the ability not just to be stuck in the now and not just reflecting over his shoulder, but has the wonderful characteristic and nature and ability to foresee what is going to happen and to do something about it. John Piper, in his writings and his teachings, he would say this. The providence of God is to see something ahead of its time with the purpose and the sole purpose of providing for what he has seen. This morning, nothing takes our God by surprise. He has foreseen it, and guess what? He has provided for it. That gives me tremendous confidence in the uncertainty of today, in the circumstances that maybe I'm facing or you're facing, the predicament that may be dictating to you, we serve a God who has foreseen it and has already provided for it. God is aware of every happening in your life. And God has invested into the future so we can step with confidence into our future. God provides for us and sustains us through every season and every time we are confronted with. God's providence is his protective care and his timely preparation for future eventualities. Guys, that deserves a little bit more of a 
All of those uncertain eventualities that may confuse us at times and cause us sleepless nights and anxiety and stress and trauma, God has prepared preparation for us. God's providence talks about his governance. It talks about his wisdom, his love, his care, his guidance, his grace and his mercy and his ability to invest into our future. You see, God doesn't have to go ahead of us. He's already there. God doesn't have to go anywhere because he's already there. He's the Alpha and he's the Amiga. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the past, the present, and the future. And guess what? He's all the bits in between. And because he's there, you and I can have confidence, boldness, a courage that things will be okay. I want to give you some examples this morning of God's providence, if that's okay. Are you with me? Wonderful story in the Old Testament. Recorded and found in Judges chapter 15, where Samson slays a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Wow. Once upon a time, there was a trader. The trader packed up his camels and his donkeys to, to take trade from one place to another. As they were traveling along the rocky roads and the twists and the turns, one of the donkeys fell sick and started to stumble and started to fall. Eventually, this donkey died in a certain place. The trader unpacked the, the goods from the back of the donkey and just allowed the donkey to lay in rest there. Over the course of time, guess what? The donkey decomposed. The, the animals, the wild animals of the day ate the flesh of that donkey. I'm ever so sorry if you're a little bit squirmish this morning. But over the course of time, the flesh was eaten and the bones became dry. The wind began to scatter the bones of the dead donkey to certain places. But then one day, Samson arrived on the scene. You see, God foresaw what was ahead of Samson and provided according to his will and his purpose for the life of Samson. You see, it wasn't by coincidence that there was a jawbone of a donkey on the side of the road. It was all part of what God had planned and schemed for Samson to overcome his enemies. This morning in this place, God has gone ahead of you and provided his provision for you despite what you're facing and what you're thinking. I think of the story in the book of Genesis, Genesis uh, chapter 22, where Abraham has received a son. Him and Sarah have a special son, the promise of God. And we, we see how Isaac is now with him. And 
Abraham is tested to sacrifice his son. So Abraham and Isaac load up the donkeys with the wood and the fire. And they start to make their way to the mountain where God had commanded Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son or his favorite son. And what we, we see in the course of that journey is Isaac looks at his dad and he says, Dad, do, do, do you know, dads, you, you know what I mean when we get those silly little questions from our kids. Da, dads, I, I, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where's the lamb we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham, with confidence, looked at his son and said this, God will provide. This morning we can have confidence and a certainty knowing that the same God who provided the jawbone of an ass for Samson, the same God who provided the, the lamb for Abraham and Isaac is the same God who will provide for you and I in whatever challenge we are confronted with, whatever task we are challenged with. Let, let's fast forward a little bit to the New Testament. Once again, I just want to show you the the providence of God, how he has foreseen and how he has provided for the, the future. We see that Jesus and his disciples are challenged about paying taxes. Now, we're all challenged about paying taxes, aren't we? That, that's nothing new. But what, what we, we see in the life of, of, of Jesus and his disciples is, is simply this, that, that they're, they're challenged about paying taxes. What we see in the story recorded in Matthew chapter 17 is Jesus says, okay, we're going to pay our taxes. Peter, what I want you to do, Peter, is I want you to go to the side of the beach and I want you to throw your line, your fishing line, into the water and, and you will catch a fish. And this is no ordinary fish because as you take the hook out of the mouth of the fish, guess what? There'll be a silver coin in the mouth of the fish, and that will be sufficient. That will be enough to pay the taxes that are, are due. Can you just imagine that there might have been a businessman paddling in the water, and one day he has a little bit of a runny nose, so he dips into his pocket and draws out a handkerchief without realizing it that wrapped up inside of the handkerchief was a silver coin which fell into the water. With urgency, he begins to get on his hands and knees trying to find it, trying to discover it, but it can't find it anywhere. Yet a little fish swims by and swallows the coin. By chance, no. By providence, swallows the coin, and then Peter goes fishing. And everything he requires to pay the bill of the day is found in the fish's mouth. You see, we serve a God who foresees, and we see a God who invests into our future the provision that we need for that, that day. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And for those of you who are preachers amongst us this morning, we know automatically what that verse is. 
for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He declares them over you. Their plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Their plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. If we look at that same verse from the message translation, this is what it is translated into. This is God speaking. I know what I'm doing. Oh, that blessed me so much this week as I was reading it. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not to abandon you. Plans to give you a future and something to hope for. You see, we serve a God who foresees. And we see a God who has planned ahead for us. As I was just reflecting upon those few verses, am I helping anybody this morning? As I was just beginning to think about some of these verses, I realized that this stepping into the providence of God requires us to respond accordingly. The very first way that you and I can respond is to have firm faith. Unwavering. The, the old-fashioned word in the King James for my friend Chris here this morning is to be steadfast. I got the thumbs up from Chris. That means I'm doing okay. It's not the thumbs down, it was the thumbs up. To be firm in faith. Jackie and I have been married for a long time. 36 years this year. Four children, and I've already told you about the increase of our, our family numerically, but not just numerically, also the expansion of our family spiritually. And we have story after story, testimony after testimony of God's provision, his providence. When we didn't know what was happening, all of a sudden, some would say by chance, some would say by luck, but I talk about God's providence, God's provision. God has stepped into our life and has made the difference. And because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I have a firm faith. I'm certain. I will not waver because I know that God has gone ahead and God has prepared away and invested into my tomorrow. Another response that we need to respond to is to have the believer's belief. Not the unbeliever's belief, which is doubt and fear and anxiety and stress, but we can have the believer's belief, which affects our behavior. I, believe, I behave in a certain way because I have the believer's belief. My, my confession is a certain confession because I have the believer's belief. I have the confidence because I believe that God will meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Not the depth or the emptiness of my pocket, but the fullness of his heaven. He owns the cattle. On a thousand hills, he owns the wealth in every mine. He is my God, 
who has foreseen my tomorrow. And because he's foreseen my tomorrow, he's invested the wealth for my tomorrow that I, that I need. The other response that we need to respond is we need to have a tenacious trust. To have a tenacious trust is to, to be confident and to have courage. It makes all of the difference. Tenacious trust is like Popeye eating spinach. <laughs> Having the, that spinach moment when, when all of a sudden the muscles begin to pop. Tenacious trust enables me, us, to have spiritual muscles that go beyond our circumstance. Go beyond the control of humanity and supernatural God steps, steps in. Is this helping anybody? But how can we bring application to the message this morning? How can we bring it into the, into the today and now? I, I love it when the, the preacher begins to talk about application because it means he's coming to the end. All of that stuff beforehand has been spoken about, but application means now. And it normally means 45 minutes later, we're still thinking, when's he going to finish? <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And have been called according to his purpose. And we know. Do you know this morning? Do you know? That, that word know, you've heard me say this on many occasions, talks about intellectually but also intimately. And this morning we need to know intellectually. But we also need to know intimately. God works all things for the good. But life is so bad at the moment. Not enough money at the end of the month. Too much month at the end of the money. The car's broken down. Health isn't brilliant. Relationship isn't working out as I would want it to work out. But we know. We know. That God has foreseen. And because he has foreseen, he's already invested in the tomorrow. The, the message translation of that Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of the love of God is worked into something good. And we can be sure. Every detail is worked into something, something good. Genesis chapter 37, Joseph, the 17-year-old dreamer. You may not be 17 this morning, but never stop dreaming. You, you may be 58, never stop dreaming. You may be 40 or approaching 40. You, you may be just turning into your 60s. You may be in your 
30s, you may be in your 20s, you may even be 15 or 16 taking exams this week. Never stop dreaming. Because as you dream, God foresees and steps into the future of our dream and provides for it. Church leadership, don't stop dreaming. God is working in the seasons and the times, and he's turning them into good. In Joseph's declaration towards the tail end of his life, he said this, the enemy meant it for harm, but God has turned it into good. So I can help save many, many lives. Maybe, maybe the season and the time you find yourself in may be a season of difficulty. But God steps in, turns it for good. Not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. I found myself in, in situations and places this uh, last, last week that I kind of asked myself, why am I here? God, are you going to turn any of this for good this week? And what I've seen, what I've experienced is, actually, I'm part of a bigger picture. Something far, far much bigger. See, God allows things to happen in our lives, but his divine providence always prevails. Because he directs all things. He directs the seen and the unseen to begin to outwork his will, his plan, and his purpose. I'm trialing this preach on you because I've not done this one before. <laughs> and it's not really compiled together. This is just some rough notes. But the stages of the life of Joseph reveal God's plan. It's like a domino effect. Any naughty boys and girls in the room this morning that used to stand the dominoes up on their ends and create this track? And then what you, you do when you've set all the dominoes up, you, you push the first domino, which has an effect onto the second, to the third, to the fourth, to the fifth. And all of a sudden, we, we see that wonderful track that we had built all lying flat. God's providence in my life is like him lining up all the dominoes and knocking over the first domino which then impacts the next domino. I, I, I've discovered this. If you take one domino out, it's never completed. We have a stop or a pause. We, we think it's finished, but actually there's more to, to come. And what we see in the life of, of Joseph is he has a dream. He shares his dream with his brothers, and they're not too pleased. He then has another dream and shares that dream with his father. And guess what? He's not too pleased. But when he shared the dream, 
the providence of God to them and began to kick in. We see that he has a pit moment. We see that he goes to Potiphar's house. We see that he ends up in prison. We then see that he eventually ends up in Pharaoh's palace. Let's just spend a, a few moments looking at this, seven or eight minutes to, to bring it to a conclusion. Joseph's brothers kidnap him. And they sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. The traders are specializing in spices, balms, and myrrh, and taking it, transporting it from Gilead to Egypt. But his brothers sell him to the slave traders. But God foresaw it. And because God foresaw it, God provided for it. I want to encourage you with this little thought this morning. Maybe you are, you're contesting something. Maybe there are those opposing you. Maybe there are those that you feel are selling you. All his brothers could do was sell him into his destiny. Wow. That's all they could do. They sold him into his destiny. His destiny which his heavenly father had already foreseen and provided for. We then see the Ishmaelite traders. They traffic Joseph. He becomes a, a migrant worker. He is sold to the highest bidder in an auction into Potiphar's house. But because God foresaw it, God opened the door for him to walk into. And what I love about the life of Joseph is simply this, that in Potiphar's house, Joseph found favor. Even though he was a migrant worker, even though he'd been trafficked from his homeland into Egypt and sold to the highest bidder, the providence of God found him favor. This morning, do you find yourself in strange positions sometimes? Ask yourself, how on earth did I ever get here? Feel like you've been sold to the highest bidder. God has foreseen it and has provided for it. Joseph is in the home of Potiphar. And then we begin to see sexual exploitation. We, we see that this migrant worker is sexually harassed by Potiphar's wife. And because Potiphar's wife couldn't get what she wanted from this young migrant worker, she falsely accuses him and brings accusation of rape against him. And he's thrown into prison. Have you ever been lied about? Has anybody ever told untruths about you? 
brought false allegation against you. If that's the case, I want you to hear this. God has foreseen it and God has provided for you in the future. We see that Joseph is thrown into prison. He experiences injustice. And he's not there for the right reasons, accusations, but he finds favor from the jailkeeper who puts him in charge of the jail. Wow. God foresaw it. And because God foresaw it, he provided a place of favor for him. You know the story extremely well. How he begins to interpret the dreams of the baker and the butler. We know the story extremely well. How th th those two guys are, are, in a sense, repositioned, or they're one's re re repositioned into the into the palace. And what we, we see there is that Pharaoh has a dream, and uh, and this individual remembers the, the the guy in the prison who could interpret dreams. We see that he interprets the dream of Pharaoh and he's repositioned. In fact, he's not repositioned. He's simply positioned because all of the journey he went on was a journey of God's providence because God foresaw it and because he foresaw it, he provided provision and blessing and favor all along the way. And throughout the life story of Joseph, we see the overarching and the overruling hand of God turning what was considered or could have been considered as a bad place into a good place. God sees something and then makes provision for it. Life can be a bit of a mess sometimes. Not just a mess, but really confusing. When you think you've got it all together, you realize you've got nothing together. When you think you've got the answers more questions present themselves to us. And life can be like a tapestry. On one side of the tapestry, there's a mishmash of threads woven together. Hopeless and despairing tangles. Loose threads, loose ends. Tangled knots and a chaotic mess. But remember... God turns things into good. And if you have the tapestry in front of you, filled with all of that kind of mess and all of that kind of stuff, I want you to allow God to turn it around. He can turn the tapestry of your life around because on the other side of that mishmash of thread woven together, there's God's providence. 
Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24 reads like this. The steps of a good man and a righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. And he delights in his ways and blesses his path. When he falls, he will not be hurled, in, hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand and sustains him. You can be certain of this. Whatever the season and whatever the time, God is holding your hand. Because he's seen into it, and because he's seen it, he has provided for it. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives, and he holds our hand. Diane, he's holding your hand. Dexter, he's holding your hand. Tony Martin, miracle man, he's holding your hand. Joy, he's holding your hand. Jenny, he's holding your hand. Steve, he's holding your hand. My final point, David, psalmist, shepherd boy, giant slayer, worshiper, king, he says this, and I'm going to use these words this morning, if you permit me to, once I was young, but now I'm old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Pastor Steve, you're a young man compared to me, but I've never seen the godly abandoned. I've never seen their children begging for bread. Why? Because my God foresaw. My God foresaw and stepped into it and provided for it. And that's why I can stand here this morning with confidence and a belief in the providence of God.